This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. Hello, my little caramelized onions. It's me, Allison. Welcome to another exciting episode. Before the show officially starts, we have time for a few things. For example, NatureBox. I bet you guys already know about NatureBox because I've been talking quite a bit about them. But uh, it's 3 p.m. You're hungry. Don't go to your office vending machine because all they have is something that has some kind of creamy white glop in the center of it. Or Lifesavers. You don't want that. You want something delicious that is nutritious. You want something from NatureBox. Um, they, NatureBox has sent us boxes here, and they're so popular that Adam stole my box. He stole my box filled with great stuff like French toast granola, salted caramel pretzel pops, dark cocoa almonds, blueberry almonds. I could go on. I'll just go on a little bit more with a few more things. They have salted caramel pretzel pops, everything bagel sticks, baked sweet potato fries. It's all so good. Um, Thankfully, my box was replaced, but I was mighty pissed. Uh, Zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup. Nothing artificial, and NatureBox ships for free. So right now, you guys can try your first order of NatureBox at 50% off. That's 50% off by going to naturebox.com slash Allison. That's naturebox.com slash Allison. And then just make sure when it arrives, Adam is nowhere nearby because you know how that's going to go. Uh, I think we have an iTunes comment of the week, right, Gary? Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. All right, this week's iTunes comment of the week comes from Dr. Glover 86 or maybe it's Dr. Glover, and it is titled, Greatest Discovery of My Podcast Listening Life. I started listening to, the Adam, to Adam Carolla's podcast about a year ago and quickly decided that Allison was one of my favorite people in the universe. You can imagine how happy I was to discover she has her very own show. Her ability to ask penetrating questions in such a way that just seems natural is what makes her Monday shows so fun. The Thursday show with the whole gang is just a blast. They're all so funny in their own ways. It always makes my day better, and I look forward to it weekly. Allison and the gang are funny, accessible, smart, and encouraging. If you want to hear the best the internet has to offer, give it a listen. Thank you so much. If you would like your iTunes comment to be iTunes comment of the week, make it extremely flattering and very astute. I'm joking. Um, But make it nice. Leave us five stars. It's our favorite number. If seven was an option, that would be our favorite number. We're going for all the stars, people. Uh, and then maybe we'll read your comment. But I, I know I sound like I'm being facetious. But really, um, your comments mean so much in your tweets and your emails and all of that. So thank you guys so much. Without you, I'd just be talking <laughs> to myself or to Gary. Um, something just popped into my head, Gary, that I must ask you. It's really a topic for a Thursday show. But did you happen to notice on a recent Adam Carolla show, a guest under his breath let out this like long extendo muffled burp? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) That was so um, noticeable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think he didn't realize? It made me wonder if there was like almost a medical condition that involved burping. Uh, I didn't think that. I just thought that maybe he forgot that he was miked. Right. Or or didn't care. Care. I feel like most people would care. Yeah. I don't know. There is that thing where you get so comfortable that you suddenly worry that in public you're acting as if you would in your house. Like, oh, God, am I 
Yeah. But I don't think it was. I mean, how could, how could you be that comfortable that on a podcast into a microphone, you're just letting them fly? It was weird, though, because it was like, it wasn't like, oh, no, what slipped out? It was like, I'm going to really, I'm milking this one. I'm pushing it out. And it is going and going and going and going. It was like, a, it was impressive. I mean, imagine if he had had. <laughs> Imagine if he hadn't muffled that one at all. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I'll say is that in the few podcasts that I've done, I've gotten into conversations where I forget there's a mic in front of me, even though I'm staring at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think he's exactly an on-air veteran. So maybe. There you go. You know, never know. I want to congratulate him. And you know what? how I would do that? How would you do that? I would send him a bouquet. A bouquet. Right. And you know where I would go? A book. Yeah, a book. I would go to the books, uh, which is okay. So you have, I'm sure you've been burned by online flowers where you think that it's going to be like 19.99, and then somehow by the end you're checking out, and it's quite a bit more than that, uh, and then you get a bunch of spam. That is why the geniuses at the books, that is T H E B O U Q S dot com, launched a whole new way to send books. <laughs> now I'm just going to have to call them books. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, T-H-E-B-O-U-Q-S dot com. Again, uh, that, that's bouquets, and it's simplified. And it's actually more fun to say. Uh, so the Books sends flowers straight from sustainable farms located on an active volcano in South America. Truly. I'm wondering how they get the flowers. It sounds dangerous. I'm sure there's something I don't know about how active volcanoes and flowers works. But anyway, uh, it's just a flat rate of $40 and then you get free delivery. So you're not going to sit there and make your order and then all of a sudden look at the checkout page and be like, holy cow, how did it get to be this? Um, Very straightforward. Uh, For a limited time, thebooks.com is offering 20% off with promo code Allison. So go to thebooks.com, click on the shop button at the top of the page and send that special someone a bouquet perhaps for burping on a podcast, perhaps just because you love them. Don't forget, order today with promo code Allison and get 20% off flowers from a volcano. All right. And then lastly, one more thing to tell you about, and then the podcast will be in your ears. Um, The no-no. Quit spending all your money on expensive laser hair treatment removal appointments or waxing or just basically however you're removing hair, there's a better way. It's the no-no. It is this little portable device. You can use it on your body and your face. You just glide it along your skin. It removes the hair. Uh, No nicks, no cuts, no pulling. And it doesn't hurt. They say that it's painless, and I didn't believe them at first because I'm a wimp, but then I conquered my – and I actually was very nervous, but I conquered my fears, and I did it. And it, not only does it not hurt, you really don't even feel it. Uh, weeks of long-lasting results, and it works on all skin types, all hair colors, and is safe and effective for both men and women. So that's exciting because with the laser hair treatment removal things where you have to go into um, an office to do it, that it doesn't work on all hair and skin color. Um, so there's a special exclusive offer for my listeners. You get the no-no device, you get an exclusive facial kit, so you can use it not only on your body, but also to remove facial hair. You get an extremely snazzy travel case, and the entire purchase is backed by their triple guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll refund the purchase price, refund the shipping, and even pay for you to ship it back to them. You don't risk a penny to try the no-no. Terms and conditions may apply. So to take advantage of this offer... Go to nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. Again, that's nonobestfriend.com, 800-508-4815. Okay. 
Here is the episode with Nikki Glazer. Now, this was recorded before I was married. Uh, and in fact, we you'll hear we talk about these. I say I'm going to get married in a couple of months. And I just want to clarify. I don't know why I need, feel the need to clarify. It actually sounds like I'm saying, like, back off, men. I'm married. That's not at all what I'm saying. I just think that some people might be listening and then the chronology will be confusing to them. So um, at the time I recorded this, was not yet married. Now I am. Still feel weird saying that. Not, I don't feel weird that I'm saying that I'm married. I feel weird needing to tell you. I need to stop talking and start letting you listen to me talk. Here's the episode with Nikki Glazer. I love you guys. Here we go. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm here with comedian Nikki Glazer. Hello. Hi, Allison. It's very exciting to have you here. Thank I, you. I have to say, I do say that it's exciting to have most people here. Yeah. Because I, I just could imagine the listener being like, she always says that. But I'm always excited. But you're excited. You're an excitable person. I mean, one day I'll have someone on and I won't say it and it'll be because I secretly hate them. Right. But for now, I'm it's just sure. been a run of people that I've wanted to have on. I yeah. mean, I I doggedly pursued you through Twitter. You did. You totally did. We were direct messaging. I felt cool. Um, yeah. And then we did um, Adam's podcast in That's right. New York. That's where I, I feel like I officially met you. Have we, had we met before then? Well, I remember you said, oh, it's so nice to meet you in person or something like yeah. that. Because I think that we had been following each other on Twitter. Right. And I never know. We knew of each other, I suspect, Definitely. through Sarah Schaefer. Yes. With whom you have a podcast and you had the MTV show yes. and who I have had on this show. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was really it made me feel really good. That you weren't like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, which would have been completely acceptable and kind of what you expect in this yeah. industry anyway. But it's like, but I totally knew who you were. So it was it was it's, validating that you knew who I was as well. Yes, absolutely. I've known about you for a while. I'm, this is the thing. It's like you stalk people um, and know so much about them. And then you don't know if you've met them or not because I've looked at I probably Google imaged you. Yes. And felt like I know you through that. There's so many people. This is true. So I'm always like, it's fine. To, it's good to meet you. And then I always, try, once I see their reaction, I'm like, oh, I, we haven't met. I finally meet you in person. You know, like, <laughs> but I, I did know that I had not met you at that time, I believe. But it's, yeah, we hit it off. I feel like. I feel like, yeah, I, I do feel too. Like there, it was a thing. It was good. You we made me feel comforted on stage at Caroline's. It was like nice to have a, a you were just a, a comforting source that I could just look Thank to. Thank you. you. Yeah. This is such a potentially disgusting love fest, but I just <laughs> have to say the same. It was because nice. so often, although, I mean, I love everyone that comes on the Adam Carolla show, sure. except for some people, <laughs> but it's nice to be able to look over and see um, someone who's like me, but blonde. Yeah. And by that, I just mean the female and on my wavelength, you know? Totally. Um, but I, <laughs> and I remember at that show, I wish I could remember what preceded it, but I remember... Like someone in the audience was saying something and you're like, thank you. This is bringing back what it felt like to be in high school. Do you remember that at all? You probably do so many live shows that you wouldn't remember a specific like heckle. I think it was just it must have been some like cunty girl just being like, ew, like gross or like saying something like judgmental. I'm getting. okay. 
I'm getting I'm getting a flashback. Wait, me too. It, was it about anal? <laughs> oh, th- we definitely talked about anal. Because uh, I, I talk about it constantly. Okay, but, good. Because um... that would be weird, Paul, if it wasn't that. I feel like the girl was like, get her to do anal or something. Oh, it, or that'd, that'd be I think weird. I probably mentioned that I'd done it and she probably was like, ew. Like, I usually have that reaction where it's like, this feels like high school when I get a, a girl saying ew at me. Yes. And it, and it's just me being really insecure. Like she's entitled to be ooed by me or whatever. But I, well, she's I get not entitled weird. to. Well, wait, she's not entitled I, to say that in the audience. Yeah. Am I making shit up, or was this during like the Enterprise rental car like manager proposal thing? Wasn't that the same show? Yes, it was that show. It was. Uh, well, it, there were two shows that night. Yeah. Are you not remembering? There was a girl with like a thick Jersey accent who was engaged. She was part of a bachelorette party, I think. That was yes. being thrown by her mom. Okay. Yes. Oh, she was on I the think r- it was that on the writing yeah. stage. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I forget what about it reminded me of high school, but it. Uh, it yeah. It generally, for me, is a girl j- sitting judging me, who's probably prettier than me and thinner, and I just am like, Ugh. like it just. I'm think- so scared of women. I, I can I can go after guys, mm-hmm. um, but scared it's, of women in the audience. You mean? Yeah, ones that are just like, like ones that remind me of girls in high school that I like wanted to be and was too scared to talk to because I thought that they would come back at me with like, "Well, you're ugly," or whatever, <laughs> and then I'd have nothing to say for myself. See, I find, but I want to go. I want to get into like what high school was like for yeah, you. Sure. But I was thinking about it today, mm-hmm. and also every other day. Of late, I find that the shitty comments, and it may just be the Adam Carolla show, mm-hmm. come from dudes, not women. Yes, it's true. They do, but. It- the one, yeah, like on the ones where I feel sure. like it, this doesn't really have to do with me. It has to do with um, the fact that I'm female or something. Yes, the most of tw- like Twitter comments are always yeah, they're from guys. I feel like girls don't put themselves out there like that. Instead, I, it's more of like a glare you get or just like a drunken like, Ew, like what is she talking about? Like it's that's true. That kind of withering, like I've taken in the totality of you and. Hell no. That comes from women more than Arms men. Arms crossed yeah. and just like, mm. and it's probably because they've done everything I'm talking about and they're ashamed of themselves for it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're judging me because, you know, I'm getting into, that's what my therapist would say about those girls. <laughs> that they hate, that, that it's about them. It's about them and not so much about me. I think that is actually true. And then my problem with them is about me and not so much them. So whose problem is it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm always like, who? well, then whose is it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember I had a therapist who would explain that if you date someone, you know, sort of casually and then, you know, they don't if they don't want to continue the dating, mm. that's not about you. That is about them. And yeah. that was which I actually believe to be true at this point. Like it just yes. because one human being doesn't want to continue a relationship with you doesn't mean that you're a bad person at all. Because no. to me. I always interpret it as a referendum on my value as a person and like, oh, you know, I've just, I've been, I've been rejected. Yeah. Now that does make sense that that's just, that that person for whatever reason chose not to like you. But that was really hard for me to even wrap my head around at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Because you, then you realize, okay, they're just not in a, they say all this stuff like, I'm just not in a place to have a girlfriend. I'm going to be a bad boyfriend. They give all these reasons of why it's them and not you. And you, even, Though they may not even believe it. That's true. It is it is them and not you. But it's so hard not to take it personally. For years, I – but I was going after guys that would do that to me. So it was kind of my fault in the end. 
See, I, I, I was going after doing that too. Why available men? Why do you think you were doing that? Because I was scared of intimacy. So I wanted to. I pursued men who. Some, I mean, I have to convince myself that's why because they kept they kept not wanting to be with me. So I that pattern has to say something about who I was going after. And then, yeah, like I was dating guys who had girlfriends. That's hmm. like the most unavailable you can get. I mean, this is my very early twenties. Never something I would do again. But like that is clearly a sign of someone who doesn't want to be in something. Did you? Um, think that they were going to leave their girlfriends for you? Like, what were the... There were a couple that, like, promised me it. And I think if they would have, I would have been like, no. But yeah. I, when they didn't, I was really devastated. But I don't think that it would have led to, like, a lasting relationship, looking back. And I know it wouldn't have. But um, I used to have a joke about a guy I was seeing, and I was like, you know, I, I told him, um, you know, when you leave your girlfriend how am I to know that you won't do the same thing to me and cheat on me when we're together and he's like oh my god Nikki I would never ever leave my girlfriend and that was kind of summed up how I it was always that like well he cheat on me but he was never gonna leave her I didn't even have to think about that Mm -hmm. so that happened a couple times but how long were you involved with these guys oh I would say the the one that like broke my heart was like the first guy I think that I was like in love with and that went on like 3 months and then he wouldn't break up with her so I stopped talking to him and said don't talk to me until you break up with her and we were in different cities and um he didn't call for a month and then he called on like my birthday and I was like, oh, my God, you, you broke up with – like, I answered the phone like, hello. And he was like, I just had to call. It was your birthday. I can't I can't break up with her. I'm sorry. And I was just like, this is the worst thing, like, ever. Like, I was holding out hope until yeah. then. And I was just like, never talk to me again. And I didn't talk to him for, like, five or six years. And I just ran into him, like, in New York when I moved there. But uh, that was a doozy. That, you randomly ran into him in New York when you moved there? Yeah. I mean, I knew he lived there. That's where I was going to, like, move. After co- I was in college, I was going to graduate school and move to New York. And, like, we were going to live together. He was going to break up with his girlfriend. And then it just – all my plans, like, came crashing down on that day. So, yeah, I ran – I finally so ran into him. It was actually just random on the street. It was at a show. And I didn't know he was on it. I had, like, avoided him pretty well. Like, I'd been there, like, two years and hadn't seen him. And then I ran into him coming out of the bathroom. And he was coming out of the men's room and we like met in the middle and I was just like uh I don't know like that wasn't even in my head I was really making those like I was like I don't this is um and I just like was like I guess we hug like it was so and then I regretted doing that I was like no don't hug him and since then we worked on the same floor last year I would see him all the time it's really I'm over it but I'm still I still hate him but I'm I'm over like wanting to be with him is he still with her yeah, they're they're married. Does she know about you? I don't think. I, apparently, she found out about me, and that's what kind of brought it to a screeching halt. But I don't think she knew the extent of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just it really bums me out about like having a couple guys who have cheated on their girlfriends with me have married those girls, and it's like fuck, you're not supposed to marry her because you were unfaithful. Like, right. sorry, I just spit all over you, but. Yeah, we're getting into it, like, really <laughs> early on. But, like, that really bummed me out about men. I've re- realized a lot. I mean, I right when never you think do about that again. The guy that that woman ended up with. <laughs> Is that yeah. what you mean to think like, about? And they're, I know I they're know. still doing it. I wasn't that special. That. I thought I was at the time. That's a, a horrendous. 
realization, or maybe it's actually a libera- liberating realization, but it's because I've had similar experiences and it's like the ease, like, because I'd be sitting there talking about I do, this, this feels so not okay and wrong to me, you know, but mm-hmm. we're in love or some bullshit like that. And like, oh, he'd yeah. like pay lip service to that, but it's like, you're clearly sleeping fine at night, which means that I'm one of many that you're cheating on your yes. wife with. I've, I came to realize there were a lot more than me later on. Girls reached out to me because they had heard that it got gotten around and I was talking about it a lot, not using any names, but mm-hmm. like this. And um, some girls were like, I know who you're talking about. And it happened to me too with him. And it was... That was devastating because you you did feel special and you felt like I'm not I wouldn't normally do this I don't I'm not like a home wrecker or an apartment wrecker or whatever he was living at the time but <laughs> a rent wrecker <laughs> yeah but I but you convince yourself like oh this love is so real like he's and not so meant to be strong with her. that yeah. it's pulling this person away and from I, you get your first orgasm and it changes the way your brain functions. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he gave me and that's when I was just like I need to be with him forever like I'd never experienced anything even close to that mm-hmm. and and so it really messed with my head that I shouldn't have slept with him that's what I learned how long were you hung up on him would you say probably like a year and a half after that like and I think it has totally you know um affected the relationships I've had since then like even now I think I've still I like it was a real it was the most painful thing I've been through and and, um but I was so young and dumb I really shouldn't have slept with him so soon I did it too early and then it was really good because up until then I just had awkward drunk sex Mm -hmm. where it's a one-shot deal and it didn't feel like anything special and then this felt great and I was like you know that that whole chemical thing that they talk about where girls get connected bonding, happened yeah. to me big time. Yeah. So, oh, God. I'm so glad those days are over. Did you go through it? Oh, I yeah. Mean, what, you're yeah. married now, right? Yeah, I'm engaged. You're engaged. But, yeah, I um, I mean, it's, it's a cliche, but I was a late bloomer and I was awkward and I was overweight and I had such low self-esteem and I... I remember a therapist, this is the second time I said it, I remember a therapist saying, but saying no. to me, like, why do you think this is all you deserve? And I was kind of like, because the evidence suggests this is pretty much all I can get. Oh, so God. it was the kind of thing mm-hmm. where it wasn't like, you know, say no to that one and there'll be another one around the bend. Like, honestly, I truly think if looking back on it, if I had been like, no, I'm too good for you, it probably would have been like years before another guy came along because I just was not the cat's pajamas mm-hmm. or the cat's meow. I mean, that's not true. <laughs> like, people have relations, people who look like, that's Everything have relationships. They find good people. Yeah. yeah, but so so it wasn't just that. But I'm just saying that I didn't feel like I had any control over my relations. I didn't you had to feel take like, what you could get. Yeah, but it didn't. But I I didn't really. I wasn't really consciously aware of that. I'm just saying I sure. just yeah. felt like some days I go out and sometimes someone pays attention to me and it's like the most amazing thing in the world and then I just want to follow them around. Yes, and it you know and. Um, what I found was that when a guy is like in a relationship, but is going to hit on you, there's something so seductive about that because those guys, because they don't really have anything at stake, come on so strong, but in a way that isn't like if, if, a 
if a guy who's actually single and who actually wants a relationship with you comes on strong, then it scares you away mm-hmm. because there's an intensity about it. But these guys are saying the exact same. They're saying God, all these so things right. that are like so intense, but the, you don't actually feel any intensity. And that is fucking intoxicating. Yes. At least it was to a young That is it. Me. You just nailed it. I've given it some thought. That you have. And that is it. There's... N- and there's nothing at stake for you. Either. Like you can get invested in it because you know they're not. You know well, you tell it. yourself that, but then all of a sudden it hurts. And That's what hurt. I found. Oh yeah, yeah. you get because in the beginning it's just it's enticing because you're like, oh, I must be so fucking awesome mm-hmm. that he is willing to put everything on the line just to sl- sleep with me. And they're just a scumbag. They yeah. they do it with anyone. I know they do do it with that and. I'm not saying that this guy didn't have feelings for me. I really do think that he did. And but at the end of the day, he's a scumbag. <laughs> it's just it. Um, I learned a lot from. That. I'm glad to have gone through it because I would have eventually. I was also a late bloomer. This was like happening when I was 22, and it was like the first time I was like, you know, I didn't masturbate up until then. I didn't even know what Were pleasure you was. No, I was just. I think the runoff from my mom's Catholic upbringing just like. It trickled down. It trickled down to me uh, to be like, don't do that. And mm-hmm. not that I, I didn't even know what it was. Like, I didn't even know to not do it. Like, I, I really. How did you th- discover it? Um, I didn't. I like, I still struggle to masturbate. Like, I can't <laughs> do it. I really can't. It feels like I'm tickling myself. Like, it, I don't get that. Like, if you tickle yourself, you you see it coming. So you don't. Like, right. And with that, too, I got to, like, not see it coming or something. <laughs> it's this. Like, I try. But. um, And so that was. a Because. Once you discover that and you're like, that feels great. Like, you got to go get it. And that's the only way I could get it because I couldn't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole other issue there. So, yeah. Were you doing it early? When did you discover it? I know a lot of girls who are like 7 to 10. Really? Mm-hmm. No. From I don't remember what age, but I remember – I read Judy Bloom books. Did you? No. Okay. Here's the issue. Oh, you should go back. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's this one book, Dini, about a girl named Dini who has scoliosis and – she talks about taking baths and like rubbing her, you know, down there with a washcloth, um, which I I don't know that I really understood what she what she was talking about exactly. Yeah. Um, God, I wish I could remember. That's it so was good probably that Judy Bloom. She was good God. like that. She really addressed a lot of the the no, various feelings you have as yeah. as a girl growing up. Um, but I don't know. Maybe like late teens or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but. I do remember when I was nine, I was in, this is not going to be a story about masturbation, by the way, because I realize that if people are thinking that's where this is going, it's about to get very weird. <laughs> nine, in Las Vegas with my family, and we went to see like some Las Vegas show, and I think it was the Smothers Brothers, I think, but mm-hmm. I think Joan Rivers was opening or, uh, or they were opening for her. I don't cool. know. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so we saw Joan Rivers. I was nine. And I didn't, you know, all, so much went over my head. I and, I, and we get in the elevator because I've been asking my mom this question. She kept, like, not answering me. And it was driving me nuts. And I'm like, it's a crowded elevator. I'm like, Mom, what is an orgasm? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Somehow she never really told me, though. No, I don't, she was like, honey, I don't know. <laughs> Quite, quite possibly. It's me. I know my mom would have been like, I don't know. I remember in eighth grade, someone asking someone what an orgasm was. And then like one of the older girls who, not older girls, one of the cooler girls. See, in my head, they're associated. 
so one funny. of the cooler girls was like kind of like gently condescending to her because she didn't know just like just trust me it feels really good and i was thinking we were <laughs> she, she was 13 had no idea yeah i don't know so you hey, you grew up in missouri is that yeah, right yeah um and do you have siblings i have one sister younger eight, like a year and a half younger mm-hmm. and what was your family like growing up um we were um it was good. It was we. Were, I mean, I've come to learn in therapy that maybe it wasn't so great. That's what happens. You like pay a woman to like tell you that your parents didn't love you enough. And um, but I, I thought I had it, you know, really great. Um, I think most of my issues do stem though from the fact that my sister was a lot prettier than me, and she was a grade two grades younger than me. And like every guy in my grade, like pursued her. And I was like her ugly sister and she was younger than me. And, and she had her first kiss before me and like had sex before me. And I would go to her, she would like pluck my eyebrows and be like, honey, let's fix it. Like she was like an older sister to me. And I think a lot of my like insecurities and probably the reason I'm a comedian, it stems from the fact that I just, everywhere we went, people were like, this one should be a model. And then they would look at me and just be like, Hi, and then it was always like that to my like in front of my parents. That's so it sucked. Funny because my younger sister was the cutest Ugh. baby and toddler in the whole world. Like there was just something, something. She looked like she had this like soulful world weariness on a toddler's face. I know that sounds like scary, no, but it I wasn't. It. it was like people would literally, people would literally kind of like have to go like touch her like they just wanted to touch her because she looked like they like she looks like elizabeth taylor like she oh i mean god. like honestly she was you know like puppies have that oh my god look she kind of had that she was as cute as a puppy yeah and she actually i mean she didn't enjoy this she would she, she kind of got she didn't like people touching her yeah. all the time you know but i was the the awkward chunky kid who was noticed a little bit later and then like oh oh and you're also cute i'm like please yeah so I, it's so funny that that really, and so really... now now in certain situations if if i'm I, i've never even said this out loud uh maybe i've said it in a therapist's office but sure. if someone is receiving a lot of compliments near me i f- begin to feel really conspicuous and almost <sighs> embarrassed for even being present oh my god I told I've when never really, even realized even that about, I do that. It's not even about me. Like no. I get that, but I just like I feel so like I'm sorry I'm taking up space in this room. I don't know what to do with my body right now. I don't because yeah. I feel very and I think it's because in the family we were kind of conscious of the fact that it was maybe um not the best thing for me for everyone to be fawning all over my sister and then being like, "Oh, <laughs> about this so then troll you would child. feel like they had to say something about you. So you kind of just didn't even want to be there. So you yeah. didn't have to be like, I think I get this feeling this of like, oh, it's happening again. Or like, oh, something's not right or something's wow. not fair. Yeah. Or, I don't know. And yet I'm, I was totally comfortable being the friend of the really pretty girl in high school. Like that was sort of the role that I was, I was really? okay in that role. Yeah. I think so. Although I look back and I think I really didn't see myself clearly because I would get crushes on like the most popular boy in school sure. who I really <laughs> had no shot with. And it didn't really, that didn't, that didn't, <laughs> Me too. I didn't really get that. But I think, but then again, I would also get crushes on movie stars. I mean, I think that's yeah, kind of. It's the same thing. Yeah. 
Okay. You, you really do. You have no shot, but there's something in you that when you find out they're like dating, you know, Emily Blunt, you're like, fuck. Not, not that I had a crush on John, John Krasinski, Krasinski, but she or, just came to mind. Or Michael Bublé before that. Oh, really? She went out with him as well. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. She's done well for herself. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So so what's your younger sister doing now? She is a teacher. She's like the best person in the world. She's – and none of this ever got to her head. I would have – if someone had told me I was supposed to be a model when I was a kid, I would have fucking run with that and been a, a monster. But she's just – Lovely and uh, married and happy in St. Louis uh, as a teacher. So how Spanish teacher did did she have a confidence that you didn't have? Like I'm just wondering, was she really I popular? Think that it, it was, she didn't have a confidence, but she just didn't have the insecurity. I think that I lacked so much self esteem, and I think I just. From I think that I kind of protected my sister from my mom's lack of self-esteem that I just absorbed. But I don't think my sister really caught a lot of it because I probably just – Buffer. Yeah. I have to imagine that because I always in therapy, I'm like, why didn't my sister turn out this way? Like she's <laughs> she's fine with her body and her looks and everything. And um, and I think it's – and my mom was just like, you can't give her a compliment. She's like, oh, no, I'm fat. You know, like – Always saying she's fat, even when I was fatter than her. You know, like, it was just a constant, like, I've never been able to take compliments well either. It's just I really, um, yeah, I, and my sister got none of it. But she's uh, but she's got her own issues for sure. She's She just didn't get away unscathed. But um, it just seems on the surface that she's got it all together. So your mom has low self-esteem. Oh, God, the lowest. Does yours? Yeah. It's so bad for to have children if you have low self esteem, and even when I go home now, I'll be like, "Mom, you look great," and just, "Oh God, no!" Just I look disgusting. Like it, it, it's gotten to the point I just can't even compliment her anymore. It makes me so sad. Is it a learned thing from for women of that generation, or is it just our moms? I mean, what I wonder what that is. I think maybe they got it from their moms. I think it's just like a long line of that. I don't know if it's generational or what because I got it just as much as she got it. But I'm going to therapy and learning to love myself whereas she's never gotten help for herself. So mm-hmm. she will never – it's too late for her to love herself. So, what what made you decide to go into therapy? Um, I went into it – I had like eating disorder issues in high school so I kind of got thrown into it um, against my will. And so I did it for a few years back then and then I got better and then it was probably like seven or eight years and it was like – uh, just recently, in the past two years, I uh, was just feeling like I need to do something. Something's got to give. I quit drinking so that a, bu- a bunch of stuff bubbled up. And I was like, I need to talk to someone. I'm tired of burdening my friends with, like, my <laughs> mania. And so then I actually did a podcast, like the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Yes, I've done that one. Yes, okay. and, I, and we've had Paul on the show twice, thrice. He's so great. At least twice. two. Twice. Mm-hmm. At least two, maybe. I think mm-hmm. twice, yeah. Twice. Oh no, I know. Twice. This is like a thing because I I I realized when Greg Proops came on, we're like, you're the first three time guest, but we had almost actually had Paul three times mm. because when when it when this podcast was like that brief other incarnation of it, we had him. Yeah, he's been two and th- and and seven eighths. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. yes, love Paul. Good guy. Yeah. So I did his podcast in a bond in just ugh, like I needed therapy so bad at that point in my life that like I just. Everything came out and I used it as a therapy session. And then I got like emails from tons of people being like, get into therapy. You need it. This And then this one girl wrote me who lived in New York and was like, I know you live there. 
I'm seeing this woman. Um, she helped me with – I have a lot of the same problems you do. She uh, She's amazing. You should see her. And she gave me her, like, info. And it was just a random listener. And I just kind of wrote back, like, thanks, but, you know, I'll, I'll use it when I need to. And then it was, like, eight months later and I was having a bad day. And I just was like, where's that email? And I called <laughs> this woman up and I've been with her ever since. That's so awesome. great. That's yeah, so nice. it was really nice. Like, something does come of you just kind of pouring yourself out onto these podcasts where you leave being like – why did I just tell the world that? But then you get help. A lot of people are compassionate and, you know, not judgmental. Yeah. And it helps people. That's what I've learned. It's like I'm tired of like – if stuff that in my past that I'm ashamed of or still maybe have issues with, it's still helpful to talk about it even if it hasn't all resolved itself and I have like this happy ending to share because people are going through the same thing and it's nice. I know it's nice when I hear people that I think have it all together that do not. And, mm-hmm. and it's just comforting to be like, oh, good. Neither do I, and she doesn't either. So I think it's nice to to hear that stuff. I think that's definitely a difference between, at least in my family, I'm curious if, what it's like in your family, between my mom's generation and mine is that my mom, it, the farthest thing from her mind would be to share her stuff in public like this. I don't, I, I think my dad understands what I do. Um, but I don't think my mom does. I mean, huh. she, it's not like a, it's not like it's a source issue or a, um, a thing that comes up a lot, but I think that on a fundamental level, she doesn't understand this compulsion I have to keep putting it out there. Whereas I feel like the more I do that, the more I feel like it is so helpful for me and help. I, the feedback I get from people, just like what you're saying, is that it helps them too. Like I feel like it's really important to yeah. like kind of constantly be as honest as you can. I think so too. It's, and I'm I'm wondering now if my therapist would tell me like because she tells me sometimes when I when I overshare, she's like you're just putting your pain on other people because you can't handle it and you're like throwing it at them to like now you deal with this. Like when I had <laughs> I had a breakup and I just couldn't shut up about it, and she's like just select people to talk to about it because you're just it's too much for you and you're just giving it to other people like you hold this for a minute I can't anymore and so a part of me wonders if I'm doing that but I I think that it's important to to put this stuff out here because I um it I know that when I was going through the the worst of it it would have really helped me to hear some people that um you know not that I seemingly have it together at all but like you know, I have a career and stuff like you would think maybe, oh, she's she's not in therapy. She's but I'm deeply in it and I and I do not have it figured out. And I'm constantly like struggling. Well, I think most people who feel like they're struggling feel like they're the only one anyway, yes. you know. Yeah. So, OK, do you have this one, which is mm-hmm. I'm I, like I'm quick to think that I'm a fraud. Oh, Yes. Oh my god. I'm and that is one that I'm so relieved other people have because it feels so specific to mm-hmm. me that I'm tricking everyone into yes. thinking I have talent. And somehow I've weaseled my way through and just gotten either lucky or I've lied my way and like it's a yeah, I will never not feel that way. Right. And, and like and if I audition for something and don't get it, it's not that Maybe I just wasn't right. It's that I was 
like they were laughing and thinking, how did that even get through the door here? Oh, my God. (laughs) And and I don't know about you, but acting for me is not my strong suit. I just don't. You're probably much more confident doing what you're doing right here. Yeah, being myself. You are, yes, being yourself than acting. And I... I'm so insecure about it, and I always have that feeling like, what am I doing? They all know that I'm not an actress. This is like – this is embar- – like I feel like everyone else is Meryl Streep, and I'm just <laughs> coming in as like this extra that is trying out for like a Streep-like role that they can just see through it. But it – I'm trying to let go of that because it's the only way that I'm ever going to book anything. Yeah. Is if I come in with confidence. I I know. I manufacture it or something. I know. There are people that say that, like, just cut, just, you know, just just get rid of the uh, insecurity. It's like (laughs) easier. Yeah. But, but I get what they're saying in that, like, that is not an attractive, um, thing to bring (laughs) to to walk around with. No. So it isn't. I'm talking about myself, not you, by the way. I no, <laughs> it is. It's totally not. It, but because the whole thing is, you're you're convincing them that you're the right person. And if you're like, oh, is it okay that I'm existing? This That's is funny. Gross. I just got an email from my agent being like, "Go out for this role." And I read the break, like literally when I was parking, I read the breakdown, and it was like, um, she's a, like a, a super sex, super hot, like a girl, ex girlfriend of whatever. And the word "super hot," I was just like, "No, count me out." Like. I know who I'm going to see in that room. And the thing is, I don't know who I'm going to see in that room. And they're always like, it could end, that role could end up being a Chinese man. So just <laughs> just d- do it, you know? Like, they could change it for you if you n- knock it out of the park. And so I was about to write. I was typing, like, I'll do it, but I'm really nervous about the super hot part of this. And I erased it because I was like, just... Just have if you're gonna do it, do it. Don't don't like don't even talk bad about yourself to your agents because they don't want to hear that shit so, either. That is so. That is so. I erased funny. it and I didn't send it. I was just like, yes, I'll do it. So it's it's small steps like that. I'm gonna go out for the super hot, you know, girl that I don't. And then there's another one that's like a yoga instructor, and I was like, I can't touch my. I I'm not even close to touching my toes yet. I'm gonna play. In, it's just embarrassing to go out for these things. It's so I I just. I mean, literally just today made the decision not to share an insecurity with an agent because I was like, I don't want them to think that I question myself that much. And also, like, I wanted to ask, I even wanted to ask Adam, like, I wanted to run something by him and be like, are they, you know, what are they really saying when they said this? Uh, And then I just thought, no, you know what? Not even, I'm not even going to. Yeah. I'm just going to share it with everyone listening. (laughs) He has, but no, it's, that's good. You didn't do that because I think it's just little shit like that. Like I saw, have you seen Blue Jasmine? No. Well, a lot of it is her just like schizophrenically talking to herself in the street. And I related to it. So like if I, I could see myself down the road becoming that crazy of a woman and the other day I was walking down the street. I was like late to an appointment and I was going like, you're such a fucking idiot. You fucking. And I was just cu- like cussing at myself, walking down the street. People were staring. And I was like, I'm that. You have to be gentler to yourself mm-hmm. because I'm the only one who is going to be taking care of myself. So why am I treating myself so shitty? And it's because it's it's easy to do that. But I'm trying again not to. Um, I'm so quick with if I'm lo- if I lose something or I'm late. I'm like I'm such a piece of shit. Like I'll type that to people. I'll text that. Like I'm the worst. I'm just trying to cut those kind of little phrases that are like, you know, they're they're. I, I start I'm and it fills out I'm the worst because that's so <laughs> whatever that is in my phone. It's, Mine fills in almost. I'm almost there. 
<laughs> last 45 texts to Gary have been, I'm almost there. <laughs> yeah. I, um, you were early today. Let's thank acknowledge you. Thank that. You, thank You've you been very doing much. well with your super. New Year's resolution. That's right. To be nice. functional. Oh, that's good. Um, and I'm doing a super condescending clap every time she pulls into the... No, I love it. I, I, I'm I just, just happy. <laughs> it's not condescending, but I felt like you might think it was. But no, no. I like it. You smiled big today. So. Yeah. I was <laughs> proud of myself. Um, yeah. I re- recently had an epiphany. So... I'm getting married in a couple of months and I am really nervous about how I'm going to look in the wedding dress because I didn't choose a big poofy thing. Um, it's actually like very fitted. And I am really weird. Like I on like some level, I know that I look I will look good in the dress and I you know chose it and I liked it and stuff. But on the other hand, I'm very nervous about it, even though it's a very small wedding. And all of a sudden, I just had this realization that what am I doing to myself? I'm holding myself up to a standard of someone in a magazine, and there's no rule that says you have to look absolutely perfect. You have to look as perfect as someone in a magazine. This is not something that's for public consumption. This is not like going out for a role. This is for me and so really it can be any you it's can be just, anything yeah it's just about like instead of thinking do i look perfect cuz that's really been sort of the the mark i'm trying to hit perfection perfect. you know i have to look perfect i have to like there can't be uh, you know in, this insane ideal of beauty that i don't think i ever chose it's just the one that we all walk around with you know I and I am the only one putting that on myself. That's the thing. Yeah. Everyone at that no everyone who's going to be there it, is not going to be judging me on that criteria. They know me, they love me. It's you know and it instead of trying to choose trying to look the most perfect that day, I should just it should just be however I want to look. Yes. And that and then I think of Lena Dunham. I know. And I because I think cuz the real Lena Dunham in real life usually looks much more stylish than her character. But mm-hmm. I love that she's willing to appear that way on screen. Mm-hmm. I know there's probably a lot of – there's she's very, very, very polarizing. So I'm sure there's listeners who don't like her and they don't like that show. But I love her and I love the show. And I think it's so important and weirdly kind of revolutionary the way she is putting what – what we just a diff, just a different woman's body on camera and like in the like most recent episode eating seen. constantly on screen and i just and if i thought that she were at home trying to make herself you know be perfect How the same ideal i would sad be would that i would make be a, i would be sad yeah exactly it would be the worst when i find out that like I remember reading some – I love Taylor Swift and I remember reading some article that was like Taylor Swift is eating a salad and she can't decide if she wants dressing. And I was just like, no. Like, no. Don't be that way. Like, and and I know I'm that way. Like, right. I'm p- – Right. Putting, like, I, I don't stand want for – I. It's like if someone were to look at my actions and the way I treat myself, <sighs> I stand for something that I don't want to be standing for. I yeah. want to be standing for you're okay as you are. Don't be beating, you know, don't, you have a right to exist. Don't feel so uncomfortable in your own skin and fuck the people who are that judgmental and who tell you you have to be a certain thing. And yet here I am totally doing it to myself and feeling like, like I'm the person who won't go to a party because 
oh, I gained two pounds and I just feel yucky and it's oh, scary. And absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, that is the, which I, is kind of insane when you think about it. Cause I, no, that is such an, when I do it, it is such an exercise in narcissism. No one fucking cares. No one knows. No one cares. And I do the same thing. I will blow off like stand up sets or dinner with friends even. Cause I'm like, I ate too much today and I feel disgusting. I'm going to be forced to eat at this thing. I don't want to. I don't want to even just like have like a little thing because then they'll be like, why isn't she eating? And then they'll, but guess what? No one's thinking about any of that stuff. I could just go and not eat and just sit and, but I just, if I'm having a like fat days, they're like things. (laughs) So I I can't, I won't leave the house. It's, it's, it's crippling. Well, so what, so you said that um, you had eating disorders in high school. Yeah. I mean, late high school. It came on. I always like thought I was I well I guess I got kind of chubby my junior year because I stopped doing sports and like just didn't give a shit and was like eating a lot of cereal and then um like for snacks and meals and everything and loving life like love like I look back on my cereal days and those are like my salad like I'm changing it cereal days is the new salad days because that makes I would just eat honey bunches of oats with abandon and like not care and like now I couldn't eat it like that way I never will be able to eat cereal that way again without like counting it in my head and being like well you deserve this or like oh I gotta go on the treadmill tomorrow like it I hope – you know what? I'm not going to say never because I hope to someday not give a shit about eating a ton of cereal. But for right now, it's just I look back on those days when I used to just eat like a pig and not give a shit and it was great. But I remember um, when it started, I remember I was gaining a little bit of weight but I didn't notice. And I remember one time my mom was like drunk, which was a thing. And um, I came home from like a pep rally or something and I remember I was starving. And so I went and I had tomato soup cooking on the – stove and I made a big bowl of cereal and I had like a Capri Sun and I was like just chowing down and my mom was across the table just with her wine. She was like, are you, um, are you, uh, what was the word? Oh, are you beefing up for football season? And I was just like, I remember I dropped the spoon and then took the Capri Sun and threw it across the room against like the, um, the cabinet and it like flopped on the counter. And I just remember this. And then I ran to my room and being like, well, I'm not going to eat anything then. And she was like, Nick, I'm just, and she was like, I was kidding. But and then I remember getting in my room, being like, "I want that cereal." Like I just like, <laughs> I hope, like what did I just do? But then that, it was just little seeds like that, and I'm not blaming my mom or anything for like what why it happened. But it was a number of things. Like I had a friend who committed suicide the same year. It was September 11th. All that shit happened like back to back. And then I was also going to college that spring. And it was just a, a, a perfect storm of shit that. Um, and then a boy that I liked so much finally liked me back and asked me to prom and it I was going on like kind of dates with him and I never kissed a boy before at this point and I was like oh my god I'm gonna have my first kiss and I was just getting butterflies in my stomach so like one day we had a date this guy and I had a date that night and I didn't eat the whole day because I was just so nervous and then the next day someone was like you look great like did you lose weight and I was like I must have lost weight like because I didn't eat yesterday so I was like I'm just going to, like, keep doing this. Like, good new diet. Like, it never occurred to me to diet. And so then I just stopped eating. And um, and it helped that I was, like, still nervous about boys and stuff. And, like, all this was very exciting. So I wasn't, like, that hungry for the first time in my life. But it just came off rapidly. And um, I I lost, like, so much weight in a really short amount of time. And it was right when I was supposed to be, like, it was, like, April, May, like, leading up to graduation. And it was just falling off me. And teachers were concerned like my, how how much did I you- lost like I th- I got I hate to do like numbers but I think I lost like 
I was probably like 155, 160, and I like got down to like 98. Oh my by God. July. And you're it really was, tall, right? Yeah, I'm five nine. So it was just I, I just I can't stopped even eating. It imagine was it was a lot of weight. You at ninety eight pounds. It was crazy. I mean, I did I, you think you looked good at that weight? I didn't think I looked good. I definitely didn't look good. I knew that, but I just didn't. I thought if I had a bite of anything, it would just like like I would explode. So I like couldn't. There was no like out of it for me. Mm-hmm. So it was wasn't like oh I just want to gain like a little bit of weight. Like the word gain even was just like no. So it just was like a being stuck in a sinkhole. Like it was just like being stuck in quicksand. Like you just can't get out. And so I was certain. So anyway, like I got really sick. Everyone was concerned. My parents were pretty much in denial because they didn't really – I mean they knew something was up because I like stopped eating obviously. but Or I would like go out to eat and then like come back and just dr- just drive around or whatever. Um, but they they didn't want to believe I was like sick. They just wanted to believe that I like – was on like a really crazy diet or something so they didn't they weren't quick to get me help but like it happened it just so happened that I went to the doctor just to like get a physical and they were like you're terribly anorexic do you know like do you know that like my to my mom and my mom's like we no she's not she's you know and then they're like we can't let you leave like you're gonna die and so I was like put in a psych ward and all this shit like right when I was like leading up to go to school and it was terrible, and I just did everything I could to, like, get out of that situation. So I started kind of eating and making people think I was eating just so I could go off to school in the fall. I went to University of Colorado. So I did that. I gained, like, a little bit of weight and was doing, like, protein shakes, but, like, not really – like, I was just – I was manipulative because I didn't want to get better because mm-hmm. I didn't really think – because I was just stuck in – I was sick, you know, like anything. Like – it's hard for me now to look back on it because it feels like I had cancer or something, but it also feels like a cancer that I like was doing to myself, which it wasn't because I couldn't get out of it. But um, I went to school and I was really sick and everyone there was like – it was hard to make friends, but I kind of – that's when I reinvented myself like as a funny person because before then I had been kind of a quiet person, but because I was so bad looking, like I looked like a Holocaust survivor, mm-hmm. like I looked bad. That the only way to make friends was to be like really like just make them forget that I looked this way. All my friends now are like, when I look back at pictures of you, like I can't believe I let myself be like friends with you and like enable you to be that way because you were so sick. But we didn't notice because you were just so funny. And that's when I think I like use it as a defense mechanism for like just look over here, you know. (laughs) Um, But then I I, I eventually was so sick there that I transferred back to University of Kansas to be closer to home. So you were continuing with the anorexia in college? Yeah, I was just like really restrictive and just insane about it. And that was, you know, you can really tell like I wasn't getting my period for like years. (laughs) Like that's that's a sure sign that like Mm -hmm. you're not doing something right. And and at this time I was not attractive to men. Or d- didn't want to be naked with a man because I was disgust. I was a skeleton, so I didn't have any relations with men until I got a little bit better, and then even then it was slow. And then so until I was like twenty four, I couldn't like be intimate with anyone, and that's when I kind of got my shit together just from good therapy. And then I took a break from therapy, and then I'm back in it now. But it's still, it's always gonna be. Yeah. Do you have? Food shit? Oh, yeah. All sorts of it. I never, I could never pull off the anorexia. I'm sure that that is actually insulting to no. someone who, who suffered, who battled it for me to put it like something it. that I wish I could have had. I totally, no, I used to say I wanted it too. 
I did, like all, I remember in high school being like, I wish I could be anorexic. Like yeah. we learned about it in health class, and I was like, that sounds awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I, and I still have days where I'm like, I wish I could be anorexic again. And I'm like, what are you fucking saying? Like I think like, oh, I could do that now and be better about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I could manage it so it doesn't look scary. Um, did so were you literally not eating anything that whole time or were you no. putting in a little bit of something? I was eating like salad just lettuce with like a fat free like calorie free dressing and like cucumbers and carrots occasionally because those kind of had something in it like right. I was just eating pretty much stuff that had zero content were you exercising as well yeah I was like I couldn't run because I literally thought my heart was gonna stop so I just would go on like long power walks and then sometimes when I went to Colorado I would go to the gym and I remember like someone like reporting me like she should not be here and I like never <laughs> didn't go back but it was like it was really embarrassing. Were I you back did you it, feel like, faint all the time? Yeah. I was cold all the time. All the time. Like I look at models who like are in underwear like on photo shoots and I'm like they are so fucking cold because I would be wearing like I was in Colorado but I would be wearing I always had tea that I would hold in between my legs cuz I could cross my legs and fit a tea. And because I had such a fucking crazy skinniness going on. And so I would I was always I was always cold. That's what one thing I remember. And just it hurt to sit because I had no padding on I already don't have an ass, but like add that. It was just constantly hurting. It was just really painful. It was just the worst. And it you don't you're not like hot. Do you I know that one of the theories, but I think it's like is it is it Freud or I, I don't know. I, Although was was anorexia a thing like back in Freud's time? Probably. I feel like it's a real old theory about what that. I think one of the theories is, is that it's an attempt to delay sexual maturing. Oh, I've never heard that. But oh, you I would haven't? totally support that because sex freaked me. I was terrified of men, and it was a it was an excuse to like not become a woman. Because yeah, your period stops. You you lose all your hair. I mean, it was you just look pale and just like gaunt. It's there's nothing less attractive. I mean, it was I look back at pictures now and it's I got rid of most of the pictures when I got better because they would like haunt me when I mm-hmm. they'd be in frames when I came home like, you know, just me like hap- pretending to be happy and I'm like, you can't have these up. Like people come over and they're going to know your terrible parents. Like so <laughs> I would I would like take them out, but then and I threw them all out, and I wish I kept them because obviously I'm going to put this in a book someday or share mm-hmm. my experience. And I wish I had, I do have some pictures from back then, but um, most of the bad ones I got rid of. It's just it's insane to me that I Did, walked around like was that for there, years. I mean, your, you mentioned that comment that your mom made. Other than that, was there pressure to look a certain way in your house or to like be? Mm. I mean, Perfect. my mom always thought she was fat, but there was never like we. She wasn't like there weren't comments like that constantly growing up. I hear of girls that have that. And I'm like, how did you not die? Like <laughs> it, it was not a thing that I constantly dealt with. But I think I put the pressure on myself. I was like obsessed with celebrities. I was obsessed with models and Jennifer Aniston, and I just wanted to be. I would just. I remember when I started getting skinny, I would go through like magazines and be like, got her beat, got her beat, got her. like. I was just like so proud to like. But then it was just there. It was just such a slippery slope. There's like a, a very brief window when you're hot, when you're on your way to anorexia, and it was so that week or so was so good. <laughs> but the rest, it was just bad. Well, so how are you? I'm going to pay you a compliment. Yeah. You're beautiful. Thank you. How do you feel about yourself now? I because of therapy, the recent batch I've done, I really am learning to like love myself at whatever size or whatever I am. But 
I still have like there are days when I have fat days and it's all connected to me being depressed. When I'm depressed, the first thing I go to is like you're fat and I can be any size, but that's just I attack myself in that way. And and then because I'm depressed, I start eating. And now it's, you know, because I don't drink anymore and because I don't smoke pot, a, a, a medication for me is like food now. So it's gone the other way. Like I can binge like nobody's business now and and get hung over that way from like food. I mean, it's there. I, I'm much, much better off than I ever have been. But it is like something I can't even imagine myself having kids right now or like because it would just I know it would trickle down to them. I want to be in such a good place. And I will be because I'm spending enough money on this <laughs> shit that I better be. But um, and it just as long as you keep working on yourself, you get better. But I don't. I'm I'm just trying to be like gentle to myself and like try to love myself because it's it's been you know twenty. I'm 29, but it's been like 27 years I would say of just really hating myself, and that's hard to you know rewind. Weight is my go-to thing as well, yeah. and but I, I think sometimes it's like. It's about wanting to buy time in a way. I think when mm-hmm. I get nervous, that's where I go. Like, oh, you have a meeting on, you know, so-and-so wants to set up a meeting. And it's like, I want to push it because, like, I'll go step on the scale. And, like, if it's good, I'm like, oh, surprisingly, okay, yep. I am okay ready. But otherwise, I want to push it so I can, like, lose, you know, yeah. weight or whatever. And then oftentimes I won't even do that, though. But, but Yeah, of course this, you won't. <laughs> right. Well, I, sometimes I will. Sometimes I'll, will? like... You'll just you know what? Start. It's actually been a really long time since I've done that. But I used – like if I knew I was going to have to be on camera or have a meeting or anything I was nervous about, I maybe would fast the day before right. or something. But, but now, now I, I can't even bring We're just getting older that. and more – I think we just don't care as much because it, we know yeah. that it doesn't matter. Because I used to do the same thing. Like if I had TV coming up, I would just start working out more and paying attention to what I ate. And now I just – I can have bad days – you know, in terms of like binging, like right before like a big day, and it's I I, I don't care as much anymore. And I wish I could just uh, someday I'll just be normal. I hope when, when it comes to eating, but it just sucks that it's just the a thing, heroin addict. You can just quit a food yeah. like a food. If you have issues with food, you can't just quit food. You have to like keep figuring out how I have to have this thing. It's like having a a child with a a, a man. You're like a you're divorced but you have a child with someone so you have to keep seeing that guy like that's food to me like I have to keep seeing it and have like a healthy relationship with it even though I know it's I hate it (laughs) and it's hurt me so many times it sucks but it's you know it's definitely something that I'm on my way to like being good about there's Um, hope and what girl doesn't that's what I was gonna say is that I know of hardly any women who have a healthy relationship with food or who no would one. say they do. I, I mean, really, it's different levels of it, but... But there's... I find that even the person that I look at that I'm like, she doesn't give a fuck. She just eats when she's hungry and she does it when she's not. But even those girls spend enough time with them, they'll have some kind of quirk or hang up that is associated with food. It is rough. It's... It, it, yeah, everyone. So I... Over the years talking about this, I have felt more comfortable sharing it because we all struggle with it. Mm-hmm. No one doesn't. Um, question from before, mm-hmm. because I could imagine someone wondering what our thoughts are about this since we talked about having uh, had relationships with guys who had girlfriends. How – so I can imagine someone writing in and being like, don't you feel guilt about that? Yeah. Um, for me – 
I don't know that I have ever really talked about this, but I did a long time ago, but I, let's see, I feel like, I feel like I'm going to get an onslaught of hate for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I slept with someone who was married. Mm-hmm. It, to this day, remains like the greatest amount of shame I've oh, ever God, felt. Yeah. I didn't, I was abstinent for four years after that because I'm like, I can't oh, trust myself fuck. around. Like, I was so horrified. Mm. I was really, really drunk. I was really drunk to the point where I don't, I kind of like came to and we were having sex. I don't remember ever signing off on it. So I know that. I know that that certain colleges, although it was not college, but it's it's in that gray zone of like totally. not. I didn't really consent, but I also I'm sure I wasn't saying no. You know, right. I was just you're fucking not calling wasted. rape. You're just saying yeah. I'm just saying okay. that I didn't sign off on it. It like it the whole thing was so surreal and so dreamlike. And I woke up in the morning and I felt I felt like I had broken a law. Like it was because he was married. Yeah. It was. So I felt I, I truly like it's a, of anything I the sh- the shame I felt was immense but I've never done anything like that ever never again yeah. um and those 4 years were I don't think at the beginning I didn't really tie it to like this is related to that I was just like I got to change what's going on you know yeah um but yeah it's it's really I mean, if I, if my husband, I mean, I've never even been close to being married, but cheated on me, I would be so furious with the woman. But you would have to know that it's mostly him. I mean, you would want to push, put blame on the woman, right? But, and it is. I mean, he made the choice to do it, and I'm not saying that you're not at fault or that we shouldn't feel bad about what we've done. But, but it's like in these situations. And again, this sounds like a rationalization, but I feel like one person is knowing and manipulative and the other one was like this baby woman, which is us, you know, you were baby women. Yes, I was so I was, baby. <laughs> I was like so not aware of what was going on. And that's not OK to be an adult, but to be that uh, that kind of guileless. But it's it's your husband who was kind of uh pulling the strings there is what I would say like we were in no way was I like some sort of siren yes that you sought out a married man because that no it's uh I yeah that's it's hard because yes you do feel guilt and we do feel guilty but it wasn't we were we were manipulated too you know like we were lied to as well and I don't I don't I don't think anyone's above it for it to happen to them we're good people thank you i think you're a good person (laughs) i know you are and the fact that you were celibate for four years after that because you were just so guilty yeah i just felt well but see i i had um i had quit drinking Mm -hmm. and but that night i drank and like it it went from like i need to drink i should i shouldn't be drinking um but it's not like insanely out of control so i had quit and then that one night that I drank again, it was like, oh, like everything awful happened. Oh, yeah. That's and just felt, yeah. Do you, do you drink now? I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't say that I'm an alcoholic because I, I could go have a drink and yes, I would be fine. me too. Um, I could have more than one drink and I would be fine. I wouldn't enjoy it anymore. Um, so that, oh, I think the, I would enjoy it. <laughs> 
But if I, do, I, I don't think like I couldn't let myself enjoy it. Sort of like how you can't eat cereal with abandon yes. these days. I don't think I could like get tanked and because the fun for me of drinking was like, um, let's see where I end up tonight. Let's. I just remember letting, saying to my yeah. friends like, let's get blacked out tonight. <laughs> like that was a goal to just not ha- not just have blinders on. Right. Yeah, it was. It somehow allowed me to do what I couldn't do in my sober life, like to feel very yes. free and liberated, and I don't have to think about the consequences of anything. Yep. But then that and got then in the morning. Old. Well, then the only thing that makes you feel better is to see the person again. Yeah, that's what I found. Um, <laughs> that sounds. I want to make it clear that I'm talking about stuff from ages ago. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so alcoholic, that never felt right. But then when I hear about how people who don't have any drinking problem, what alcohol does for them, that's definitely not how it is for me. It's mm-hmm. not just like, I like to relax, so I have a drink, and then I just it just takes the edge off. It's, it's, it's a completely different kind of – like, I never enjoyed drinking wine with a meal. That's just not how I like to drink. No, no, me neither. I like to drink like, to get a drunk. bunch of gin and tonics around guys. <laughs> yes, so I can talk to boys and not feel so scared mm-hmm. and just like, yeah, it. I don't think I ever would have had sex had it not been for alcohol. I, I think I would still be so scared. And and now I've been sober for two years and I have a boyfriend now who is also sober. But getting back on that horse and like having sex with someone for the first time sober it was so – that was so – I never thought I would have sex again because how else do you like – that first time, right. it's scary. That's like a weird thing. But it's it's good. Did you go to AA? No. I just – I read a book. Um, I read the um, – Alan Carr is this guy who has this method to Anthony stop Anthony Jesselnik mentioned that on the podcast. Yeah? Uh, for I, quitting smoking. Yeah. Okay. So I quit smoking with his book because I heard like celebrities talking about it on shows and like Ellen and Ashton Kutcher, I remember. And I was like, all right, I'll try this. So I quit smoking like five years ago with that book. And then I got to a point where I was like, I need to quit drinking. So I bought the – What made you feel like you need to quit? Just uh, – just being in relation, I would get in relationships that were based upon me getting drunk enough that I could sleep with them and have the courage to do so. And then every time I wanted to sleep with them, every time I saw them, I'd have to get wasted to be intimate. And then I would suddenly be in this like sexual relationship with someone that I didn't even really like and that I just got drunk enough to like. And then having sober sex with them, I would just like resent them so much because I was like, I don't even like you, disgust me. And I kept getting in all those relationships. And so, um, and I also was just couldn't take the hangovers anymore. And I was like, I'm not going to be successful if I feel like this every <laughs> time I drink, which I drank like five or six nights a week. So I just had a bad hangover once and I bought that book and read – he has a book for the drinking too. And so I read that and then I was – That was good. it? Yeah. But then I started smoking pot a lot. And then I quit that just Does he have a book cold for turkey. That? No, but I would have read it. But I used the same kind of like – you learn the way he he looks at these kind of things. And I was like, yeah, there's no excuse for me to be smoking pot. Like, why do I need to do this? And then I was like, oh, I don't. And so I quit that like over a year ago. And now um, that now it's just me and my thoughts. Does your did your boyfriend go to AA? No, he just is one of these people that's like never drank. Really? Like he's just ne- he saw his friends in high school get drunk and he was like, they look stupid. I'm never going to drink. Like, How is that for you? Because I used to have this whole thing of like I could be with. I was. This is the young 
yeah. thought. But it was like, <laughs> I could be with someone who's done it and quit, but I can't be with someone who's never done it because they they won't relate to me. I know. It being it's weird. had a relationship with substances, I guess. He said the other night, he was like, we were talking about some a mutual friend of ours who kind of um, ch- was texting some girl who was not his fiance, and we were, and I was like, That's so shitty. And he was like, I was like, he goes, who's to say what I would do if I was a wasted person? Like if the guy was wasted, and I was like, what are you saying? Like you wouldn't do that. He's like, but I don't know. Like, and I was like, you would, you might be a monster if you drank. I'm so glad you don't, he, <laughs> because he, pro- you know, I could see him. I've dated some really like guys who would get drunk and become really mean and i'm just yeah i'm so glad i'm over i don't date people does your fiance drink he does but But he's in a real like i've i i think i've seen him drunk once and even that wasn't really drunk like he's one of those people who he likes the taste and he you know it takes the edge off but it's not every night and it's never he doesn't change at all yeah that's nice yeah, some people just can – they have it under control. But, um, yeah, it is weird. I'm just kind of like, how do you never drink? It says something about him in terms of, like, having – needing control. Mm-hmm. There's definitely something there that I'm like, I kind of want you to – I want you to do – he's never done any – he doesn't take Tylenol. He doesn't do anything. He's not, like, Mormon or anything. He's just in wow. control. But probably not. Has he ever had his <laughs> Has he ever had his wisdom teeth out or anything? No, he's never been like he's never been on anything. Wow. Like I go to this place and have a headache and he has nothing to offer me. It's crazy. He's so pure. He is, but he's not. He like pollutes his body with McDonald's. like all he eats is McDonald's and pizza. But at the same time he will not ever ingest like a medicine or any like he just has it under control. It's impressive. It is, but it's now that I'm saying, I'm like, it's kind of weird. <laughs> um, so, Nick, I said so, like I was from Minnesota or something. Um, so, your show, Nikki and Sarah Live, yes. which you did two seasons of on yes. MTV, right? And it was um, like a spin off, essentially, of your podcast. You had yeah, to be there? Yeah, it was, um, well, it was a spin off just in the sense that it was just us co hosting, but it just, it was a totally different vibe. I mean, we talked about like Beyonce and, and you know, Miley Cyrus on the podcast at times, but uh, our show on MTV was like definitely like only pop culture geared towards Puerto Rican teenagers. <laughs> well, I remember Sarah saying that your term for it was the demo Lovato. Demo Lovato. That's the coin phrase for because there was a lot of pressure to appeal to the demo, yeah, right? Just they always the demo. Like the demo doesn't get that, and I am so far removed from the demo. But like, yeah, they they don't get a lot. Like they don't know anything about. For instance, Justin Timberlake, but until he started making music recently, they didn't know he was like in NSYNC. Like the, the kids who are watching MTV now are mm-hmm. not aware of NSYNC or, you know, are probably aware of it now, but like weren't exposed to it at all. So when we had this whole campaign, you know, three years ago to Justin come back to music, when we were, when we had our pilot, we screened that for focus groups. Like this P, this really emotional PSA, like, Justin, please stop <laughs> acting. Just come back to music. And the kids in the focus group were like, he did music? Like, we don't know. He's an actor. Like, they didn't know. So that's the, that's who we're dealing with. It was just – it was crazy. But that is over. The show is done. Um, and now I don't know what's next. I'm just, like, tossing myself into stand-up because that's a, the constant that I have. Is that um, – was that upsetting to find out that it was done? Yes and no. I – 
Yes, because it was nice to have a steady job and money coming in and just it was fun. Like I loved my staff. My boyfriend I met on my staff, so it was nice to work with him. Sarah and I had a great time together and it was just really fun. And it was nice to be the host of a show and have people get you coffee and like and just it was it was just really fun. Um, But no, in the sense that I realize what MTV would have done with our show is exactly what they have already done. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have repeated it more. We would have we wouldn't have gone any further with it. Like they weren't they didn't have plans to make it grow. It would have just existed and at some point it would have been canceled and I would have been right where I am now, which <laughs> is like what's next. So, it's better to be here now than later, I think. Do they grow shows or do they I think my I feel like what I've heard is that they they essentially like pilot a bunch of stuff yeah. and then every, most everything has a short run. If it don't hit right away, it's gone. Is the fact that we got a second season was really awesome on their part because I think I think they had faith that maybe we would grow a little bit more in second season, but they just didn't repeat us and they they didn't know what to do with us. They're not used to having a late night show. We should have been on five nights, four or five nights a week, but we weren't. If we were only shown once, on, and for MTV standards, I mean, if you look at their lineup, it's like. You know, the, all they work on is marathons of ridiculousness mm-hmm. and girl code and um, whatever. But guy code, Don't guy code that now. Too. That's on MTV too. But yeah. yeah, and then girl code kind of fucked us. Um, I'll say because that came out um, right as our second season was about to come out, and it was a, a straightaway hit. And um, it. They compared us to that a lot. But Girl Code, I don't think I've ever seen it. No, maybe I have seen bits of it. It's like one of those clip shows, but talking about it's dating. It's not clips. It's um, it's I mean, girls like all talking, talking about it's Talking Heads show with uh, a bunch of girls, um, some really funny comics like Jamie Lee and Alice Wetterlin are on it, and then some other ones. And um, and it will just be like they'll talk about they'll have like a subject like you know farting and then girls will be like tell jokes about farting and then there'll be like some kind of like sketch that they'll like show on the side of it and it's it's really well done it is i've caught in wormholes of watching it all day but the thing is it was a tried and true um format format for them the the guy code was a a runaway hit as well on a different network so then when girl code came out like these kids had seen it before they loved it right away and then they were like well you guys should have been like this and it's like well no one's ever seen anything like our show so you have to like let it sink in and you got to rerun it or else they're never going to get it. So um, I think because we got compared to Girl Code, it, we just couldn't meet their standards based on that. So we got let go. But it was really fun and I think it's for the best because it was, you know, you don't want to – MTV is a good place to start for a lot of people. I mean, even I did a, At Midnight last night and Chris Hardwick, I'm just like sitting there looking at him like, oh, my God. You are like the host of Singled Out to me. Like that is who you are and <laughs> will forever be that person. And so I think that for a lot of uh And you remember people, he dated Jacinda. He did? Do you, do you remember Jacinda from London Real World? Gary's nodding too. Wait, London Real World? Which one was she? She he had the dog Just... that peed in the house. Oh, Gary's going to get a photo of her. Jacinda. Oh, yeah. please, Gary. I remember I, I was at like the Weenie Roast or Lollap- I think it was the Weenie Roast. Uh, in Irvine, and I saw the two. I mean, I knew they were dating just from reading magazines, but I yeah. saw the two of them together. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah now he's I forget, he's dating someone. Chloe, really Dyke. hot. Now. Yeah, I want to say Dykstra, like, oh but I'd be god, pronouncing she it wrong. Looks like yes. a you know an anime character, <laughs> like a, not anime, but some kind of like a comic book right. character. She's super hot. He's done well for himself, is what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is that like 
I think people will remember me. Jacinda. Wait, hold on. Her, her picture's coming up. I can't Is that tell. the best it's, photo it's, we have of her? Oh, he's getting another one. Please. <laughs> oh, that's him. That's Oh, that's him and her together. That doesn't look like him in that photo. No, it, it looks, looks like, like Jim Brewer. It looks like Jim Brewer. Or it looks like Anna Nicole Smith's um, baby daddy. Yes. Chris something. <laughs> Yes, admittedly, that first oh, picture there. sucked, but I wanted oh, you guys to see the Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. No problem. I needed the context. There she um, is. Yeah, She's a so, model. Yes, she is. I remember there was Kat who was who fenced. No. And God, I can't keep all those straight. I'm and so gained a lot of weight in London. And then there was a guy <laughs> who played in a band called Unilever who like got his tongue bit at a live show or something. I feel like his name was... Niles I might have missed that season, to be honest. This oh, that would make sense if everything Paris, I'm saying. Paris, I was involved. I love. Paris had that. What's her name? Ga- the girl that was so beautiful. And it had Ace and. Yeah, there's London. Are these people looking familiar to you? Nope. Not at all. Well, there you go. No well, wonder okay, it's not making now, sense. Jacinda Never mind. She's in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, she might have done other MTV stuff. Uh, New Orleans cast, I remember a lot. I think it was like... Is that Montana? No. Oh. oh, Montana. Oh, is that Paris? Yes. No. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, the girl the, the girl next to the curly... In the black. She was like a model. She is a model now. I don't remember any of those other people, though. Oh, CJ. Jay, CJ. He's a, <laughs> he's a giant now. Yeah. And Ace was the guy in like the tan who was super hot. Yeah. And then... God, the real world. I used to want to be on that so badly. I remember when I became too old to be on the real world, and that was kind of a rite of passage. Like, I missed my window. It was sort of like when I became too old to be on Joker's Wild. It's a show that probably is before your time because it was kind of almost before my time. Joker's Wild with Gene Rayburn. My older fans (laughs) will know what this is. They used to sometimes have kids on. Oh, also when I became too old to be on Card Sharks. I had dreams at a young age yeah, of being on you did. game shows. <laughs> it is weird when you pass up like twenty five. I twenty five is a cutoff for real, real yeah. world, right? God, but on that same day you can start renting a car and not having to pay extra. So it's double edged sword. So how did you get into stand up? You were funny and really skinny when you started college. Yes. So like when I freshman year, when I was like super skinny and super funny, like or like trying to be as funny as possible. People were constantly, like, for the first time in my life, I was getting, like, you should be a comedian. I'd never heard that before. I didn't even watch comedy or, like, know anything about it. But I also knew that I wanted to, like, be in the entertainment business. So I was like, okay, I'll try this. And I kind of tried theater, but I wasn't, I wasn't like, getting good parts in high school and stuff. So I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm very good at this. So, um, yeah, so I just started researching stand-up, and I was like, I'll check this out. And then I saw, like, Sarah Silverman and Wendy Liebman, and I was like, that's it. That's awesome. You get to write your own stuff and be yourself on stage. And so then I, like, tried it for the first time in Colorado, like, because my friends, like, were like, you got to do this show that they had on campus. And I did it, and I was like, I got off stage, and I was like, my I remember my friends were holding up my phone so that my dad could hear back in St. Louis. 
And I got off stage and I called him and I was, we were both like crying because I was like, this is what I want to do. I know I want to do it. And it was like one of those moments. And I was like, I want to drop out of school. Like, this is it. (laughs) I know it. And he was like, why don't you finish school and then we'll talk. So then I just started doing it after that. And yeah. Um, Do you want to have another television show? I don't know what I want. I've been out here all week. I've been here since Monday and like going on meetings and um, getting a lot of free water and uh, <laughs> getting validated, um, parking and emotionally and just talking to these people about like what I want to do. And it's just too broad. There's too much to do. Like, do I want another talk show? Do I want to write a, a scripted show? Like, do I want to get just cast in something? I just don't know. I feel like this is where the fraud thing comes in because I'm like, Oh no, it's up to me to like really create something. I'm like, was Nikki and Sarah just all Sarah and I was just like along for the ride? Cuz she's very good in a meeting, in a pitch meeting. Like I would kind of just sit next to her and be like, "Yeah, what she said," you know? So I kind of feel like, "Oh, can I do this all on my own? Was I just lucky to fall into a relationship with her and she brought me like or am I capable of doing this myself?" And now is the time that I have to figure that out. She booked a pilot. Oh wow. Um, yeah, she As a, like a, she's in it. As a um a co-host with oh, some cool. um with some guy, I I asked her. I was like, "Who's who's the other person?" <laughs> and she was like, "It's a, some guy." So I was like, "Okay, good. As long as it's a guy, like it's like she's into different people now um, <laughs> that aren't me." So if she was to be like, "It's a blonde, really funny girl," I'd be like, "Who?" <laughs> but um no, so she's so it's a out talk here. show. Yeah, I don't know really the details of it. I just saw her on Saturday and we like talked briefly about it, but um. Yeah, so she's it's a good move for her. She's smart to do it. She's been in New York longer than I have. I think I have a little couple more years to go of just until that city just like beats me down cuz it's, you know, it's hard living there. Have you lived there before? Mhm. Yeah, I was there for uh, nine, eight and a half years. Jesus. Years. Yeah. Oh, I wow. came back. I'm from here, lived there for a long time and then came back. Did you go to school there? No, I went to school in Claremont. Oh. Um and then, yeah, I went to Pomona College in Claremont, and then I moved there, and then I came back here three years ago. But someone who was a writer on your show, Brendan, mm. lived um, – did he live, like, not on my block, but near me in Brooklyn. And so I used to do – What? This, yeah, I used to do this show. It was a um, Ustream show called Allison Rosen's Junior Best Friend in my living room. And I'm trying to remember how I met him. I oh, through – not an interesting story, actually. But he was a guest sometimes on that show. Oh, that's awesome. I love world. him. Yeah. He was a writer on Nikki and Sarah's second season, right? Yes, on second season. I Did he? No, we brought him in halfway through first season, I okay. believe. And uh, we stole him from – he was working at Jerry Springer. And we stole him from over there. And, uh, yeah, he's great. I didn't I know he was it. at Jerry Springer. I think yeah. he was at um, some – marketing agency or something yeah when and I he was, was at he was at jerry springer for a while and was uh just eager to to come over to us it was awesome and that was so that was the fun part of it was like employing your friends and getting to like hang out with people you really love and give them a job and we all have steady pay coming in. like it's just it was nice and uh it was really sad to see it go but it's it wasn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be because as soon as we got the show i was like what is this going to be like when it's over? Like, I always think about, like, you know, this isn't going to be Seinfeld. We're not going to decide when we end. Like, we're going to be canceled at some point because every show is. And I thought I was going to be, like, devastated. But when I got the call, I was actually going through a breakup. So it felt like nothing. Like, I was <laughs> had been crying for days and days. And so I got a call about the show being canceled. And I was just like, I don't even feel that right now. I'm still, like, I'm focused on this other loss that I'm suffering. So... 
it all kind of came crashing down at once. But um, but it's all good. It's going to be okay. It's. I wanted to just mirror everyone in a minute. But first, I just want to ask, it's interesting mm-hmm. that you say that you have a couple years of New York left in you. Is there <laughs> pressure to move out here? Every time I come out here, people are like, you know, you got to move here. You, you're going to have to. And <laughs> I say that voice. <laughs> yeah, and they do. And I have to. And I lived here for three years right out of college. And it was brutal because I didn't have any, you know, I was learning how to do stand up still at the time. I like started here. So L.A. to me is very I get reminded of how much of a struggle it was and how much I hated being here when I wasn't wanted. Mm. So I I've promised myself that I will not move back here until, like, I have a job that is moving me here and will ship all my stuff for me. You know, like, I need a reason. I'm not going to come out just to be like, roll the dice, you know. <laughs> I can't again. And um, and just being able to f- have a life in New York and a boyfriend. Like, I never have had these things before in the past 10 years. I've been, like, on the road. I just don't want to leave them yet. That makes sense. Yeah. It's good. All right. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I on something I have thought or done is it just me or everyone all right Michael Game says, while driving at night I peer into lit windows hoping to see people having sex mm. I've never done that nor have I Brian Kennard says, it makes me uncomfortable and slightly sad when I see a couple in a restaurant sitting in silence. So sad. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah. Hashtag stay home. Hashtag move on. (laughs) Yeah, that does make me sad. But when I hear people having awkward small, like first date small talk, that makes me sad it too. makes me sad when it's an older couple that have just like yeah this is what we do we go and we sit and we just eat uh, it's it's such a bummer but there's a part of me that's like they seem fine with they it. seem okay then let them have it if it's yes. a young couple i'm like yeah this is not working clearly but then you see some couples fight i mean it's always weird it's, it's kind of fun to observe other couples out to eat. i remember seeing this old couple at some restaurant and they were – it was that thing where they were sitting in silence yeah. and I was, you know, uh, projecting my own shit on them, like yes. feeling sorry for them. But then – but, you know, to them, it's like this is just what they do yeah. and they're not sad about it. But then when they went to get up, I th- either she they – were, they were old. Either she helped him get up or he <sighs> helped her. Yeah, it's like oh, I'm going to put tears in my eyes <laughs> just oh, thinking God. about it. Okay. Amy Leverage says, I hate when people use the word kiddos. It takes longer to t- say and type than kid or kids. Oh, I hadn't um, thought about that. I'm okay with that. I'm not like in such a rush that I need people <laughs> to <laughs> not say kiddos. Kiddos has like a fun, like when someone calls me kiddo, it's like, oh, I feel like young. <laughs> and I, I think it's sweet. So I, it's just you. Yeah. I, uh, I said something about headphones the other day and then Adam's like, can we just call them cans? I'm like, okay, cans. Um, and then the next day I asked what that was about. And it was explained to me, Adam wasn't in the room, that it's just simply the economy of language. Right. And I was thinking, I I have the time to say headphones. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> when I depress a, a happy seagull says, when I depress a dispenser to get a fast food straw, I feel both tips of the straw to ensure they're dry and untampered with. Whoa. No, I don't. But that's smart to do that. What? what why would a part of them be wet? Like what? Why would a part of the machine be untampered? I guess that's smart to do. But guess what? If they've been tampered, whatever happened that was wet has dried since then. And you're right. your straw could still be tampered with. 
I'm getting a nod from Gary. He knows. He's tampering. Absolutely. <laughs> Abe Lopez says, check the dates for older coins when I get change back, but worry that the cashier thinks I'm doubting their calculation. I'm sorry I don't do that. Mm-mm. I don't I don't have any sense of the date on the coins that nope. I have. In fact, this reminded me that that's sort of a fun thing to look at. That is a fun thing to look at. But Abe, why don't just do it at home? <laughs> And you know what? This reminds me. I never pay attention to when I like eat jelly beans. Like I just I or like um, you don't Starburst. I don't care about the f- Skittles. Like, Skittles, exactly. Skittles is the number one thing. Like I'm not like seeking out flavors. Like I couldn't be like, oh, the oranges are good. Like I just they're just Skittles. No, absolutely. The only thing of this that I've ever even heard of, and I don't do this, but I got shamed by a group of like three people once. Have you ever heard that when you pick up a penny, like a found penny, oh, yeah. you're supposed to check if the year is the year you were born, and then it's like extra lucky? <laughs> and I remember. I love that, though. And I was like, I've never heard of that. And like three people looked at me like, the fuck? What That's rock did you grow up really? under, asshole? Now I like, now every now, if I, not if there's anyone around, but if I'm like by myself walking around and there's no one I know around, I always check. Yeah, that's embarrassing to pick. Everyone knows you're picking it up because of good luck. Is it more embarrassing because they think you no, look superstitious or <laughs> because you might look cheap? Yeah. Both are embarrassing. No, they're really embarrassing. I, I mean, I'm doing a 360 before I bend down to pick yeah, up a yeah. penny, and I will absolutely walk by a I forgot that's lucky. There's even a little rhyme. I don't ever pick them up. Find a penny, pick it up all the day. You'll have good luck, especially if it's the year you of your birthday. <laughs> The last part's not as catchy. No, no. We'll come up. <laughs> we got to be a rhyme for that. Martin Earhart says, I always try to match the tempo of the windshield wipers in the car with whatever music is on. Never works perfectly. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I think I do that. I try to make I try to make it work. I, I would never like manipulate it so it would work, well, but no. I get excited when it yeah. does happen, but it never sticks because the windshield wiper is not – it must not be constant. It, yeah. It never works and – Lately, ever since I moved up here, when it's raining, I need my wits about me because people lose their goddamn minds when really? it rains in Los Angeles. People forget how to drive. It's fucking insanity. Yeah. It's I just... feel like they forget how to drive always. Well, I think so too. That's it's true, weird. but it like it somehow seems to get worse when it's raining. Or maybe I'm just projecting that. Actually, Ashley Kirk says, I think less of shorthand textures. When people use GR8 for great or UR for your, I judge them hard. No, I it mm. depends. It it depends. If the person's an idiot, then this is just further signs that they're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> but otherwise I just assume that they're just trying to save characters. Especially yeah. if it's Twitter. Yeah. Cur- and yeah. If they put if they're typing cans instead of headphones, do you get angry, <laughs> Ashley? <laughs> Kurt Luter says, every time I see someone with an obvious hunchback, I immediately improve my posture. Oh, I don't yes. see that very often. I do that all the time. Yeah, if you see someone that's really, I always, yeah, that Kurt, I do that too. Maybe it's, maybe if you don't see very often, you are that person. No, yeah. I just improve my no, posture. No, no, no. Lewis McKenzie says, it bothers slash annoys me when people put up their middle finger while taking pictures. Yeah, Ugh. I... I've talked about this before. I am bothered by anything that happens when the group of people in a picture decides, let's not smile. Let's just do something fun. Oh, that's the most pressure ever. Mm -hmm. I never know what to do. And now I know the middle finger is not a good option. The middle finger thing doesn't bug me as much as people just randomly doing this. Yes, the peace sign. I don't. But it's like on the side. If you're doing it ironically, I think it's funny. Yeah, if you're doing it ironically. that's sweet, that's but fine, but yeah, if you're going back through my college that? photos, <laughs> did you do that? Are, no, I didn't. But so many people I respect. But the middle finger is so aggressive. I think that's a, yeah, it bothers yeah. me too. Actually, I don't. I'm trying to think how frequently I see a middle finger in a photo. It's just like it's, trying to be badass, yeah, and failing. 
And failing. Because yeah. if you have to do that, you are officially not badass. Yeah. Although the middle finger, I've never like done it to someone. Like, have you ever given the middle finger like oh, out of anger? Fuck yes. And no. at a stranger? Mm-mm. Oh yeah. You have do you like people driving? Not drive. I mean, that's the only way I've ever done. I've, I've never, never like it. in person. Like, like that just <laughs> yeah, seems that no. just seems unproductive to me. But yeah, I mean, because there's no other way to co- if communicate. Win- if their windows seems are so up. mean. It seems so aggressive. No, what? It is aggressive. I don't think it's mean. I'm never doing it unprovoked. I've had a girl. I remember one girl. I like walked in front of a car once accidentally, and she just mouthed so perfectly. I just read her lips, and she was like, "You dumb slut!" And I was like, "How <laughs> do you know? <laughs> like, you know so much about me." Just from- <laughs> oh god! But that was so. Yeah, that got me. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for being on the show. This was really, really fun. fun. I feel like we could talk for hours more about... I feel like I owe you money because (laughs) I took a week off from therapy, but this did it for me. Um, Okay. So people can follow you on Twitter at Nikki Glazer. Mm -hmm. And if they want to see you perform live, are your dates on your website? Yeah. NikkiGlazer.com. It should be up now. I just got it redone. But I'm going to be in Wisconsin a lot in the next couple months. And uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of Wisconsin. So if you live there, please come out. It's cold (laughs) and lonely. Um, And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. Um, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, maybe Alan Carr's book or just something else, yes. uh, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help out the show a ton. And we have a ringtone. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. I need this. I just got an email from uh, a teacher who had his phone in the room and it started to ring and he like went to dive on it, but the students heard it and they all laughed. And uh, see, it makes people smile um you can get the, i feel like i'm botching that story up i feel like there's something that had to do with the principal but anyway it all worked out well for them so what i'm saying is get this ringtone you can get that by searching hey go fuck yourself with your iphone in the itunes store and lastly we have a special bonus episode available we recorded it live at the la podcast festival with doug benson and uh musician matt costa and also gary and matt and chris and me so you can get that by going to the comedy album section of the itunes store okay thank you so much for listening again thank you so much for being on the show thank you this was really fun yeah it was um all right i love you guys goodbye hey do you know about the allison rosen show
listening to the show, everyone. Just as a reminder, this episode is brought to you by NoNo. To get your NoNo and take advantage of the exclusive offer for my listeners, go to nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. That's nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815.